can everybody hear me all right? Go ahead, throw up your emojis down their heart with a plus sign. Beautiful. And if at any point anybody can't hear me or you can't hear my guest, go ahead, leave the space and come back in and that should correct the problem. Now, I'd like to welcome my guest today, Shane Cashman. Welcome, Shane. Hey there, how you doing? Good, long time no talk, right? <laughs> Seriously, this is fun. <laughs> Shane and I were on a space together last night too. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yep, I'm a writer for TimCast.com of the series Tales from the Inverted World. I've done two books so far. Uh, the first one is like a bunch of different essays about people who've been abducted by aliens or my uh, investigation into a serial killer case. And the second book is about my investigation into some lost Confederate gold that turned into <clears throat> UFOs and ghosts and witches who were threatening my life. Mm -hmm. Fun. Awesome. All right. Well, we're here today to talk about some spooky stuff. So uh, did you bring some stories along with you? Um, I got some in mind. I got some recent stories I was looking up and mm -hmm. uh, looking forward to hearing from some, from some people as well. That sounds great. Okay, well, I guess we'll just kick it off. Um, so thank you everybody for being here and thank you uh, to my streamers at TimCast.com. Thank you for being a member and subscribing if you are listening in on this space and you want to see video footage of me talking to Shane and reacting to Shane and reacting to things, then you can go become a member over at TimCast.com as well and you can watch me live over there right now. All right, so I guess uh, just get us uh, get us started. You do this uh, Tales from the Inverted World thing, which is, you know, as you said, like really spooky stuff. So can you tell us about maybe like one of the spookiest stories you've ever heard in your travels? Yeah, well, the one in Georgia, it felt like I went down there just for the gold and I heard about it. I was going to write one little story. And within the moments of being there, I think I told you the first part of this last time where mm -hmm. within... 15 minutes I already see a girl running out of a building mm -hmm. screaming because the ghosts are too loud in the um, historical building where the museum is mm -hmm. so I immediately am like well this, this place has more to offer me <laughs> um, so I stick around and within those first few days I saw a UFO above the tree line I still don't know what it is I've spent a lot of time talking to various people trying to figure it out but it just kind of maintained this up down left right uh like movement in the sky and then another one happened and everyone in town even people who really don't like talking about paranormal stuff you know they were like yeah we don't know what it is but it's always been there and you know i could go back generations and talk to people and you know old people you know in their late 80s early 90s there's some people who they were really reluctant to talk to me about ghosts or or the gold or mm -hmm. anything and i went there and i'm like so i heard that a UFO landed in the field across the way and they're like yeah you know they're they called her aunt sis don't really know why mm -hmm. uh but they called her aunt sis and supposedly she had a Polaroid of the UFO landing in her yard so someone in the book who shall remain unnamed happened to find a way into that house where aunt sis used to live he never found the Polaroid unfortunately but I talked to multiple people in that town who are like that Polaroid was brought to our school, you know, like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people claim to have seen it. Um, but yeah, like being in that town, I just kind of realized it's like completely isolated. It reminded me of maybe like a Twin Peaks or uh, the the, uh, the town from Buffy the Vampire Slayer where there's, there's the Hellmouth. Mm. And um, 
you know, everyone there, even if they're, if they consider themselves really religious and don't like talking about these things, everyone there has an experience. Um, I had experiences there, you know, every time I turned around, it's just a new thing. Uh, Another one from that book is in that historical building where the lady was screaming that I said earlier, I brought a man there who claimed to be able to speak to ghosts. And he, so he's a medium. This is fairly new to him. He's a Baptist. You know, a lot of his friends in his Baptist church are a little weirded out by this, mm-hmm. but as is his father. But according to him and his family, they, they believe uh, he talks to the dead. Mm-hmm. And I found out about him in the town. People were saying this guy just came, came around and starts talking to, uh, you know, inanimate objects or, or invisible things. So I said, of course, you know, how do I find this man? And I brought him there. And the whole time he's having conversations with people, he could just be totally insane. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, he told me about this little doll when we walked into a room upstairs that used to belong to a child. It's one of those China dolls that Mm -hmm. uh, a traveling salesman used to bring with him from town to town. And he would put a little miniature version of the dress he was selling on the doll. Mm -hmm. And this doll is for sure creepy. Um, he looks at it and he's like, this doll is possessed. I won't do his accent justice, but just imagine super deep down Georgia Mm -hmm. accent. It's incredible. And, uh, I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. I, uh, we, we wrap it up. You know, we talk a little while We go to this plantation. He tells me about some other ghosts he talks to. I go back down to Georgia probably every few weeks, uh, for a year. Mm -hmm. And while I'm writing this book and now I'm staying and it's probably, it's actually St. Patrick's day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm staying at this hotel because it was built on top of a graveyard. And I'm looking for someone's grave who's been moved from their grave. This is the lady who killed her husband in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talked to this lady who's there who's going to let me into the trap door to go find the graveyard that's below the, the hotel. Wow. And I'm like, that was, I, I, honestly, it was easier than I thought to find the trap door. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I'm going down, it's like you open the... It's almost like a Bilco door, but it's a trap door inside the um, hotel, really old hotel. I believe it's called the Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's right by the concierge desk. And so she kind of, it's really big door. And she hoists it up. And I start to walk down the steps. And she kind of smiles at me like, good luck. Mm-hmm. And I look at her desk. And she's got, <laughs> she's got a, a picture on her computer of all these like funerary urns and a statue of Anubis. Mm. And I'm like what's up with that? <laughs> and I'm like halfway now downstairs where my, into the graveyard. And she's like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a witch. And I, uh, you know, I'm studying to be a, a mortician. So now I'm like, I got to talk to this person. But through talking to her, I tell her about this medium I was just telling you all about. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost got to the part about the doll. And she goes, the weirdest thing happened to me in that hotel. I was on a field trip in like second or third grade. And we all saw the doll fly off the chair into the room. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the teacher was like, I swear none of us touched it, she said, you know, the teacher. And, and the lady who runs it, who I know now is Stephanie. She's like, yeah, this doll is, something's wrong with this doll. And they're afraid to get rid of it because who knows what happens, you mm-hmm. know, when you get rid of a possessed doll from the 1800s. Yeah. But yeah, that, that town, there's something weird. Go- there's something weird going on there. It's, um, that that girl who was studying to be 
a, a mortician who said she's a witch. She belongs to a coven of witches, and this is this whole thing. And you know, they're, they're Catholic witches, which is I had a hard time, you know, wrapping what? my head around. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's Appalachian witches, Christian witches, and they all kind of operate this hotel. Um, and they actually helped me find the grave of this woman who was the second woman ever hanged in Georgia for murdering her husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, they believe that when they went down to the graveyard for the first time where I was going down, that one of them was attacked by the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's no way of confirming that. They truly believe it. They also believe that if you play old classical music in the ballroom upstairs, uh, she will appear. I did try it. She didn't appear for me. Right. Um, but I did, I did spend the night, uh, uh, most of the night, in the ballroom waiting for, uh, kind of space on her name. I want to say it's Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting town. But, the, you know, every time I would talk to someone, I, I went down there for the gold. Mm-hmm. Everything was about the lost Confederate gold. There was a mutiny with the Confederates. Jefferson Davis was on the run. Lincoln was assassinated. You know, Richmond just burned down. And I'm like, the gold was supposedly here. And every time there was just another tangent of like, oh, yeah, this is a UFO story. Um, Another one I really liked is about a skeleton in this town. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the edge of the town, there was a man who had an inn. And he he was kind of a bad dude. This is in this, I want to say late 1700s. He used to create like mudslides with water to make horse and carriages stop on his little trail Mm -hmm. by pouring a lot of water out and messing up the road. And hoping he'd get business and it would according to these reports uh it would work um and eventually he like had like a come to god moment where he's like i gotta repent and so he did he had a, a talk with a, a i believe it was a priest and he kind of according to the stories switched up his ways became a better person and even in his afterlife he was like he, he told everyone i'm gonna I'm gonna. I want to be buried standing up <laughs> at the edge of this town mm-hmm. with a with a rifle in my hand or a musket and a bottle of whiskey, and I will shoot the devil if he comes to me. And uh, so he's at the edge of this town. This is Washington, Georgia, uh, buried standing up with a musket and a bottle of whiskey. Uh, I think I actually opened up the book with that image mm-hmm. and his whole his whole dilemma. But uh, but yeah, there's so many good stories in that town. I uh, I feel like I need to go back at some point and get more. Absolutely. That's that's exciting. Now, I grew up in um, western Massachusetts, and it's old, and it's creepy. Like, we have, you know, um, I mean, south of me, there's, like, Sturbridge Village, you know, there's uh, Old Deerfield, there's, um, you know, and I mean, it's it's really where the, the it was the founding of the Constitution, the, or the Revolution, I mean, um, you know, so lots of our stuff goes way back to the 1700s, lots of that. Um, so, you know, we have, we have a, a covered bridge that's haunted in my, in the area I grew up with, uh, by a woman named Eunice Williams. Uh, she's supposed to be beheaded. And so growing up, we would, uh, you know, go drive our cars at night to the Eunice Williams bridge. And, uh-huh. and she was attacked. She was attacked by natives, I believe, and they scalped her or something or beheaded yeah. her, one or the other. But, um, right. there's like a plaque there about Eunice Williams and uh, it's over like a swimming hole that was really popular. Uh, so, um, so we go, you know, late at night. What are we gonna do? A bunch of kids in our teens. So we'd all hop in a car. We go late at night to the Eunice Williams Bridge, shut our car off, and just wait for Eunice Williams. You know, turn off your lights. And just wait for <clears throat> Eunice Williams to to appear. 
Uh, so, so I only had one weird, you know, and I'm very logical. I don't like believe in this stuff, you know, I only had kind of one weird, like, uh, happening when we did that one time because we do it all the time nothing ever happened you know right so i'm there one time I'm, I'm with like one other girl and we're like all right we're gonna go to the eunice williams bridge we go we park the car i'm driving and uh they park the car and turn it off and we're waiting got the lights off whatever um all of a sudden there's fog everywhere like a fog just dropped around us and I'm like, all right, this is really creepy now. I'm like, I, I'm not going to stick around. I don't know what this is. This is like the pretext of, of a horror movie, essentially. I go to start my car. My car doesn't start. I'm not kidding. Car does not start. And so I'm like, oh, fuck. So now she's freaking out. I'm freaking out. And I'm just like, I can't start my car. I'm like, what do we do? So I'm like, all right, do we do we run? Do we get out of the car? Do we stay in the car? What do we do? And um, and uh, so so then like nothing, like like can't start the car. There's still this fog. And then there's lights. And there's lights. We're like, oh my god, there's lights. What's going on now? It was headlights of another car that had pulled up behind us. <laughs> but it was still like, you know, we're freaking out at this point. Yeah. But so the car, you know, pulls up behind us. There's lights. They shut their lights off and to do the same thing that we're doing. So that's what everybody did. Um, and then like the fog just like goes away, and my car starts. And so that's wow. who knows. Like you know, maybe the maybe my car didn't start because it was foggy condensation, old car. You know, I was a kid. I had a beater. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I was thinking we. I I told a story about my one crazy uh, instance when I was working in, in in a haunted inn, and um, and then I I was thinking about it later. I'm like, no, I'm like I've had two weird things happen to me, and that was the other one. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I um, I, that reminded me of two things real quick. The first one is I also worked at an old inn. I was a waiter there, and there's like this kind of like fancy spot mm. uh, in New York in the Hudson Valley, and we had a. So it was an inn. It had like four rooms upstairs and this like fancy little dining area downstairs. The Bird and Bottle is what it was called. Mm. And there was a man who would book a. I'll say every week, but it might have been every month. Mm-hmm. And he, he booked the room because he believed that there was a ghost in that room. And he had some kind of, we'll call it a dalliance with the ghost mm. uh, in this room. He, uh, he, was, he, he was smitten with her, whomever mm-hmm. she was. And he believed it. So. I just remember him always checking in and just being weirded out. This guy's about to go upstairs and, you know, have his way with some ghost. <laughs> with a ghost. <laughs> or maybe vice versa. Who knows, you know? <laughs> but um, the, uh, the other thing is, you're talking about the, the, the car. Mm-hmm. Today, where I'm at, was like quintessential fall day, like on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, very gloomy, low clouds. The, the, the leaves all look like they're super bright, uh, yellow, red. And it was a day I had like that in New York. Um, like 15 years ago and I where I grew up was right outside of a military base on a horse farm mm-hmm. and we had it wasn't our property it belonged to the academy uh, that's that's there on the military base for war training that's a whole other fucking story mm-hmm. but um so I lived there with no neighbors nothing in the middle of nowhere so like the woods were always weird and I knew those woods very very well you know I lived there for a very long time mm-hmm. so I would just go on random walks I, I would choose like a direction and just walk in that way for um, you know my whole life and just find new things, new stones, boulders. And uh, one day I realized there's four lakes there. Um, they used to be one big lake. They cut it. They cut them in half or, or in fours uh, for this road. And I was like, you know, I've never been on the other side of this lake. And it was like the closest thing to my house. Mm-hmm. And it was just weird. I learned to skip stones on this lake. 
Um, I used to swim. I used to ride horses. I was a barrel racer. And we used to walk the horses in the lake, and they would swim. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, I'm going to walk the other side of the lake. So I did that on a day much like today. And I'm going, and, you know, it's just weird when you're in the woods and you think you know the woods really well and you find, like, a new part of the woods. It's like you're almost entering a new dimension. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking weird. You know, I'm like, I, I never saw these trees. This is a weird tree. This is an old tree. This is mm-hmm. a giant rock. Um, just kind of tripping out. And I find this giant boulder and i it like just the boulder itself for whatever reason it struck a chord it like bothered me mm-hmm. and i'm looking at this boulder and then i don't really notice it yet because i'm just i'm circling the boulder it's giant and it's just like in the middle of um like this beautiful like bright green moss um mm-hmm. so pretty and i can see the lake from where i am we're kind of up on a bit of a hill and then i noticed the rock has actually been, is suspended on like three or four other very small rocks huh. <laughs> like maybe it slid like that or maybe it was placed like that there's a lot of different theories about that um but the second i noticed the little rocks the sky opened up and it was like the most violent thunderstorm ever and it might have been my own paranoia that i was born with mm-hmm. but i looked down at the lake and i swear to you it looked like something was about to come up out of the lake maybe it was just raining that hard uh-huh. but that feeling was insane and i rushed the fuck out of those woods mm-hmm. um i lost my glasses i hightailed it out and i always i'll never forget like i, I i'm like i think something's in that lake mm-hmm. um, my dream my dream you know I, I have like a lot of dream funerals yeah. um my dream my one my original dream funeral is to be buried in that lake and i want to be hopefully buried on top of whatever ufo is hidden at the bottom of it so for those out there who'd like to donate to my dream funeral hit me up it's wild you know, there was a like a real life horror story that unfolded in uh, the town that I grew up in, or the area that I grew up in, anyway. Um, when I was three, they canceled Halloween, and it's my my earliest memory, okay, because I was just three years old. Uh, my earliest memory is that they canceled Halloween, and I went down. I remember walking down with my grandmother to the mailbox, and in the mailbox there was a flyer of a missing murderer. And his name, his name was Mark Branch. And um, so, so, they, so since he was this murderer and he was on the loose, they, they canceled Halloween because obviously, you know. And I guess they, they looked into this guy. Um, he had murdered, I might get this part wrong, he, he murdered a woman and she was a twin. And he either murdered the wrong twin or the right twin. But either way, she was a twin and there was something about murdering the twin. Um, so, yeah. So he went to the college that actually um, I got my associate's degree at. Um, he was a college student there, and he met her there, like met the twin or met her sister, whichever. Uh, so he was obsessed with like it was the '80s, okay? So he was obsessed with like Jason movies, the horror, all, all of that stuff that was really popular in uh, that that time. Um, you know, there was that kind of that '80s had like the, all those horror movies that came out. Um, oh yeah, you know. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, he was obsessed. All of that, um, and he had like, like uh, it, it was all over his um, his room. He had the posters, and this guy was like early twenties. He had the posters all over his room. He could have even been nineteen. He was yeah, but um, posters all over his room. So you know they're looking for him. And they're investigating. They go to his his house and they see his room and they're like, oh shit, what the fuck are we dealing with? Um, I guess he like murdered the woman in the shower. Or she just got yep. out of the shower or something. I'm, I'm looking at it now, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. seeing it, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was spooky. They ended up finding him, and he'd, he'd commit suicide in the woods. 
Um, but yeah, this this whole story, like it goes like, yeah, definitely read about it. It goes like really deep. It gets really wild and takes all these different twists and like when they're looking for him and stuff. And yeah, it's wow. just crazy story. So that was like my well, real life horror story and where I grew up. That's terrifying. Yeah, he sounds like he was very, very much into Jason, the mm-hmm. horror movies. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, it reminds me of, you know, I, I spent like, shoot, maybe nine, almost 10 years writing about that Long Island serial killer case. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, the first inverted world book, there's a you know, three, I think it's like three big chapters about that case. And, and the victim's families I talked to, um, police, anyone involved, amateur detectives, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it was really invested in that case. You know, it got to a point where I called the FBI to tell them about a certain suspect because I, I might have been paranoid, but I did find like a really, really messed up website mm-hmm. of these guys in the same area as the, as the bodies were found. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, you know, all the victims were sex workers, pro- all these prostitutes like lined up on the beach in burlap sacks, and there was another, there was a baby, Holy and um, you know, it was really like a gnarly crime scene. Uh, the, the, the weirdest fact that got me into that story in the first place, other than it just being you know so many bodies in one one area, was. They found, I believe it was the hands, a pair of hands on that beach, it's Gilgo Beach mm-hmm. in Long Island. Those hands matched a mutilated torso they found in the woods like 20 years earlier. Oh my God. And yeah, I was just like, what? So, so um, were they, were the hands saved? I mean, I mean, did this all happen at the same time? That's, or? A great, that's a great question. They haven't told us yet. They haven't told us if it's skeletal hands or what, or uh-huh. if they were saved. I mean, skeletal hands probably would have fallen apart in the water. That's why it seems like right. did somebody hold well, on to those. It, it was it was like so it wasn't in the water. There's like this part where it's bramble and you can kind of walk through it, but it's really tough. So it, oh, okay. it, I guess if the water went up really high. It could have been, but like it was, he like lined them up in just a way where they were kind of safe from the water, but overlooking it. It's mm-hmm. really bizarre. But um, yeah, that that really like got me interested. You know, for the same reason you just asked that question, like, were they preserved or not? But they haven't released the details. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I got really involved in that story, trying to figure it out. Found that, that website where these, like, men are talking. One guy in particular is talking about uh, taking prostitutes out and beating them in public. Oh, my God. In front of, like, traffic and mm-hmm. getting away with it. Like, you get off on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he could just be a troll, you know, for all I know. But... Uh, everyone on that website took him very seriously, whoever he was. He called himself genius. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of, there's at that point when I'm writing those, those chapters, there's no conclusion. It's a cold case. There's a lot of theories. It could have been a chief of police who's got a shady past. It could have been the other serial killer who was 20 minutes away. There's a bunch of serial killers in the area, oddly enough. Wow. Um, but then a few years go by, and it was just this past summer, and I wake up and see that they've caught the Long Island serial killer. And I'm like, I'm like, holy crap, you know, and he kind of fit the profile that a lot of us had in mind when we were looking into this. When I say a lot of us, I mean, there's um, a a website called Web Sleuths, Mm -hmm. and this is like amateur detectives, and they really go and investigate things when they think the cops aren't doing a good enough job. They've actually solved a few cases, which is pretty wild. Um, But we kind of came to the conclusion that this person who's operating for so long, undetected, must have maybe some connection, money, some type of status mm-hmm. in society, and he can blend in well, which is usually the case, you know, with a lot of these guys in terms of blending in well, because 
it's always, you know, it's cliche. Oh, he was my neighbor. He was a nice guy, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when they caught him, you know, all that, all of those things kind of did add up. He was, he, he is a well-known architect. Mm-hmm. He has clients like American Airlines. Um, he, he's got huge, you know, uh, a, a lot of status, big firm in Manhattan. And uh, so, yeah, I, when I found that out, I was like, well, I have to go see this guy in court. Mm-hmm. So I made a point of driving up to New York and I saw him on his first like real big day in court. He's between 6'4 and 6'8. You can't really tell. I'm 6'2. Mm-hmm. He was way bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And he's like 270. Wow. He's huge. Um, and he's just got like this like mop of a haircut. And it was, it was so bizarre uh, because by the time we were all in court, there was a lot of different writers in the room who had been writing about him for like a decade plus. And by that point, we found out from the DA that he was obsessed with reading all the articles about him. So there's a good chance that he had read some of our stuff. Maybe not me, but maybe the person next to me, who knows? And uh, he turned and he looked at us and it was like the most, the word evil can't even describe, it's like beyond. It mm-hmm. was the coldest, most dead look uh, he gave like the whole room at once. He almost like looked at all of us at the same time, right in the eye. And then he ducked to go uh, under the door frame and, and then into the shadows of the courtroom he went. But uh that was wild. So kind of like, I thought I was done with that story. Uh, and now I'm kind of back in it because I want to see it through. I want to see his court case. You know, a lot of people have died since then in, in terms of victims' families. Uh-huh. Uh, or Yeah, families of the victims. Yeah, they've been murdered by uh, one, one lady I talked to who was the mother of the first woman to go missing who was reported missing, who kind of set up this whole case to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, Shannon Gilbert. I talked to her on Facebook. I was going to arrange something to interview her through her lawyer. And like, it might've been a week later, I found out she was murdered by her other daughter, uh, who like had a mental freak oh out God. and stabbed her like a few hundred times and then bashed her brains in with a fire extinguisher. Um, Whoa. it was so, brutal. that's a crime of passion uh, so that, for sure. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. She like totally lost it. Mm. Um, so the weird thing about that is I thought I was done with the story then, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just, I'll wrap it up with, with, uh, Mary Gilbert was her name. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a lot of my friends in New York knew I was writing about it. I was at a, I was at a friend's house. Uh, the husband was a nurse at this hospital up in Hudson Valley and he comes back and um, we're having like a play date with our kids. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I just put the daughter or the sister of Shannon Gilbert in a straitjacket because she murdered her mom. That's how I found out about the story. Oh, my God. I was like, no shit. Um, but, yeah, so now I'm kind of back in it, and I want to see where this goes, you know, because it's weird. Um, it's weird that the other serial killer who uh, – oh, I didn't say this. The mutilated torso that matched the hands in Gilgo. So the mutilated torso was found 20 minutes away, years like 20 years prior. That, that – actually belongs to another serial killer by the name of John Vitroff, mm. who was a carpenter, who's in jail now for being a serial killer. So, but we don't understand yet why those hands are now, we're now on Gilgo Beach. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he, so like the proximity to this architect serial killer, to this carpenter serial killer, really close to each other, kind of operating in the same you know area. And then just in terms of like spookiness, the Amityville Horror House is right there as well. Oh, wow. So there's some kind of like demonic presence happening there. And a lot of people I talked to 
um, in this area of Long Island. Because I'd always be like, what the fuck is wrong with Long Island? <laughs> there's a lot of serial killers. A lot of, like, well, I'm investigating this serial killer, this, this guy, mm-hmm. Rex Sherman, uh, who's arrested now. Mm-hmm. Like, while I'm doing that, there's a story about some girl in Brooklyn, which is where I was living at the time. She, like, murdered her landlord, cut her up, and then scattered her parts across people's yards in Long Island. Oh my god! So it's like it's not just like like just random violence. It's like the craziest bloodthirsty violence was uh, poisoning this area. But everyone was just like, "Yeah, I don't know. This place is totally possessed by demons." And by the end, I'm like, "Yeah, I think I believe it." I think evil befalls evil, and for whatever reason, the evil presences tend to stay around each other yeah. i mean that's the only way to make sense of it you'd mentioned that first serial killer being really tall and mm-hmm. that's a thing with serial killers like a lot of them like i believe ed 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 Gwynn. Ed Gwyn. Ed yeah ed yeah yeah yes kepper um he was super tall like a big huge person and imagine like a serial killer with that stature you know like right uh, ed, oh my god ed, ed kemper is actually a person who I was thinking of when writing about uh, Rex Sherman before I even knew it was Rex Sherman. Mm -hmm. Because if we're kind of profiling someone, this imaginary monster, and we're thinking he's a person of some sort of status and that he must be really intelligent, Mm -hmm. Ed Kemper comes right to mind. Uh, Ed Kemper was huge. He was, uh, I I, I, I hate to use the word charming, but people did Mm -hmm. find him charming. Yes. Uh, Like Ted Bundy. Yep. uh, Supremely crazy intelligent. Um, and, I, you know, with Ed Kemper, it's like, I feel like a lot of times serial killer stories get really sanitized. Like, oh, yeah, he killed a lot of people. Like, no, Ed Kemper was a fucking demon, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm pretty sure he killed his grandparents and went away for that when he was young. Then yes. got out. I could be wrong about the grandparents part. I'm no, he sure did. He that. brutally murdered his grandparents. Brutally. Right. I believe he beheaded his grandmother and put her head on a stake. Like, he was a fucked up human being. He's a fucked up kid. And mm-hmm. then he comes out. And then he he, he starts, you know killing again later on. I don't know how much of a pause there is between going away for the grandparents and when he starts killing it. But while he's doing these, these horrible things, he's also like ingratiated himself into the police department and they're becoming friends. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he always believed his mother was the reason he was the way he was. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, this is according to him in the stories, he killed her and he cut her head off and he had sexual relations with the mom's head. Right. Oh my God. Yeah, I do remember this story, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. And um, I don't know, he liked cutting people's heads off. I don't know if it was his mother's head or someone else's head, because I think there was a friend of the mother he did it to as well. Mm-hmm. But the fucked up part is he had a head in his trunk when he went to his probation officer, and the probation officer that day wrote a glowing a glowing review of him, being like, you know, he's, he's doing great. Meanwhile, there's a decapitated head in his trunk. Um, <laughs> and then in terms of him being so charming... He, he believed that he cured himself of serial murder when he killed his mom. And then he kind of, he took off and he made a phone call. He called his friends at the police station. And he was like, it was me. I killed all these people. You know, I'm done. And they thought he was joking. And they're like laughing on the phone with him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, like for real, I, I killed my mom. I killed all these people. And, uh, you know, eventually they're like, oh shit, you know, Ed killed them. So they bring him in, he goes to jail and, uh, to, to say just how intelligent he is, you know, he's the he's one of those early guys, if not the first one that the FBI used to understand other serial killers. They would go and interview him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mindhunter, the David Fincher series, which is really great, 
they I believe they go into Kemper. Uh, yeah, yeah, they talk to Kemper, and you can you can see them interviewing him and trying to understand other serial killers. Uh, they did a pretty good job, but you can actually watch the real interviews with Kemper on YouTube, at least uh, last I checked, because um, it's so it's so crazy to see someone speak so nonchalantly about some of the most heinous acts one human could do to another human. Um, and they did that with, you know, they used Ted Bundy as well to understand other people. Um, but then, yeah, they're not all like that. You know, the guy I was writing about happened to be, or so we believe, happens to be super intelligent. He's an architect. Uh, he went undetected for many, many years. Uh, but some of them are just fucking nuts. You know, like Herbert Mullins, another one I, I like, I, I've listened about a lot. That's uh, maybe Chris Bertman's in here. I don't know if Chris knows about him, but that's a California serial killer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was always interesting to me because he believed that he was well he was schizophrenic and he believed that people came up to him and said please kill me because if you don't california will sink into the ocean <laughs> so he started killing people uh and he went on a killing spree you know and he had a crazy life he was like i think he was in the navy and he was a boxer uh and then they eventually got him and he went to prison um and he became like a reformed serial killer he was on medicine mm-hmm. uh you know you know reformed serial killers you know you know what i mean yeah he saw he saw the end of his he saw he had to change his ways and supposedly didn't want to kill anybody anymore but but ted bundy said the same shit at the end you know he claimed uh mm-hmm. come to christ he claimed that porn was the problem and maybe to some degree he was right um but ted bundy was a a real performance artist Oh, was Ted Bundy was a disaster. Um, and Holy I shit. remember, if you ever heard the story, there was one survivor of Ted Bundy. Have you ever heard of her story? Uh, I, I talked. To, I actually talked to one lady who was another survivor. Okay, okay, so there might have been two then. But uh, yeah. I think one was a survivor, like she escaped him, and then another almost got caught by him. Oh, shit. Um, but this one was... Yeah. Yeah, I guess he was uh, saying, like... Like, uh, the, the woman was working alone. I'm going to mistell this story a little bit, but you'll get the gist. She was working yeah. alone somewhere, and uh, his car broke down, which is what he used to do to women. He'd, he'd act like he, he was injured, and so he'd hobble with, like, his crutch. He'd say, oh, you know, my car broke down. You know, could I use your phone, or can you, can yeah. you help me, or can you reach that for me? Because that's what right. he'd do. And then he would knock them out with, like, a lead pipe and go on and do his thing but this woman said something about him like like um she she said oh let me let me help i'll help you but i i have to run back in here and he goes okay you know he was patient so he ran she ran back into her work and he was like charming she didn't think anything of it at this point but she like looked at her window at him and he was smiling at the the um the building that she was in in the most sinister way she'd ever seen in her life and just the way he was smiling at the building was enough for her to be like, oh fuck no, I'm, right. not, I'm not helping That's, this guy. It is, it's crazy. I the lady I so the day that I found out Rex Sherman was arrested for the uh, murders of the Lion serial victims, mm-hmm. um, I, I was tweeting about it, talking about like kind of giving a rap, like a wrapping up what I had talked about you know, in the articles, thinking you know theorizing things, and I guess someone had seen it and she reached out to me and she's like, can I call you? And I typically will take those calls, uh, especially when they say she escaped Ted Bundy. Yeah. And, you know, you gotta, I go into these things being like, who fucking knows? You know, she might be insane mm-hmm. for all I know, but she wanted to do it like a, like a FaceTime. So that always makes it either, it could be even crazier that way or giving it some validity. So I FaceTime her and she's of the age where she could be younger when Ted Bundy was doing a thing. And you know, the other thing I think about when I hear these stories is like, like the story you told, 
other people do know those stories, right? Of like escaping Ted Bundy in the face thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I, I wonder, you know, maybe she just knows these stories and she wants to find a way into a story, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But her story was crazy, if it's true. If she, I, I do want to believe it, but, you know, who knows? But she was saying she was hitchhiking, which that was going on. And she was hitchhiking, hitchhiking in that area. I forget the name of the valley uh fuck is escaping me but she was hitchhiking where bundy was operating for a while uh before he bounced out to colorado and then florida but a little uh i believe yellow bug pulled over mm -hmm. and offered her a ride the passenger seat was missing which we know ted bundy did do mm -hmm. uh she got in the back seat and it's fine she's going along tells him where uh she wants to go and all of a sudden he pulls over and turns and looks at her and she said she basically saw his face like mutate into an animal which mm -hmm. is kind of like what you were saying with the other person right yeah. we're like all of a sudden this man who seemed somewhat charming he was uh, kind of handsome you know a lot of women found him somewhat handsome he was in politics he dressed well yeah uh he uh that face that was once handsome has now turned into this animal like rabid monster and climbed into the back seat and she said he was sniffing her uh according to her she said at the uh so she was she had a young kid at home mm -hmm. this is at a time of her life there's a lot of drugs so also take that with a grain of salt yeah uh she said that according to her he could smell that she wasn't a virgin and wanted nothing to do with her huh. and then went back and drove away um so who knows mm -hmm. um but she didn't realize then what was going on. She didn't know it was Ted Bundy. It wasn't until years later when he was captured. And she was like, holy shit. And now, you know, she's telling me this on FaceTime when, and she's at, she's at like a convent. Mm -hmm. And there's a giant painting of the Virgin Mary behind her. Yeah. Like the whole scene is just crazy. But, um, yeah, you know, I talked to another lady as well who claims to have gotten away from Ted Bundy uh, with a very, very similar story. So I, I think that is the case you know we don't know how many people got away and just never knew it was ted bundy right mm -hmm. um we don't we don't know how many serial killers there are you know that you can go look up the stats every website will tell you something different you know uh the fbi has no idea go figure they don't know um because there's probably a lot operating that you just don't know about um like in long island we know about a ton in one little area over you know a few decades and I, I suspect there's probably more. I also suspect there's probably they probably know each other pretty well, and it's like a little gang, you know. And that that's just my theory, but um, I'm sticking to it for now, yeah. just because I think they help each other. Uh, I think they share a graveyard. I think they help each other learn how to do this uh, without getting detected. Mm -hmm. I think some of them are in the police force. Um, I still have suspicions about the chief of police on Long Island, who um, he, he purposefully threw off the FBI from the serial killer case. And that guy was a suspect as a serial killer for years because of the corruption, because of throwing off the FBI uh, from the case. And, you know, when I, in my story in the, in the Inverted World book, his, and I guess I'm, I'm kind of psychoanalyzing the guy, but I think it's noteworthy. When this chief of police is a kid, he watches other kids kill another boy in the woods and then shove rocks in the mouth of this boy's corpse. Oh, my God. And then he has to go, yeah, and then he has to go testify against those kids. So, you know, I for me, it's like I don't want to make him like out to be a Dexter character where he like he's born in blood and then he becomes this thing that he hates or whatever. Mm -hmm. However, this guy, before he became chief of police, 
was caught in his car in a patrol car with prostitutes um and, and then became the chief of police and then during the investigation right while i'm writing this story uh the first go around he has he's at the gym and a, a young like kid breaks into his cop car steals like porn and sex toys and then this guy leaves the gym he's the chief of police mm -hmm. finds out this kid stole shit he beats the kid up then he goes to jail <laughs> for beating him up um so it's just like you know a lot of people suspected this guy had something to do with it if not that he, he might have known uh the rex Sherman, who's the guy suspected of being a serial killer now but uh yeah i think a lot of these guys know each other um, and I think a lot will come out in this case where we're going to see people uh, hiding things that they might not have been, even down to Rex Sherman's wife, mm. who she is, something is off about her. Um, we learned recently that they might have been swingers, mm -hmm. and this one lady came out with um, Shannon Gilbert's lawyer, whose name is John Ray, who, he's, a, he's an oddball, but he's done a lot of good work, and she, this lady claimed that she was at the swingers party with one of the women who went missing and they went to back to Rex Sherman's house. And, uh, you know, she thought nothing of it until years later when she sees, this, she sees the woman's picture and then she sees Rex's face and he's kind of a hard face to forget. He's kind of like, um, like he's got like the body of like leather face. Yeah. Right. And like, uh, this like piggish, like a uh, scarecrow face and this scary, like mop of hair. So you won't forget him, mm -hmm. you know, and he's giant like a literal giant uh ravens here he probably call this nephilim shit for sure yeah uh that's for sure that's what that's what is. was going through my head yeah um so yeah I, I i'm gonna go back to the court cases to the trials i'd like to see it through um and you know we'll, we'll see what happens so sounds awesome. well yeah all right i'd love to open up the floor for anybody who might have a scary story that they want to share or have a question for shane or for myself um, keep your stories pretty limited so we can be respectful of each other's time. Um, you know, no like 15 minute stories or anything like that. Hey, <laughs> hey Josie, unless, mm -hmm. unless Tiffany Gomez is here. Yes. Is Tiffany, in, is Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany, my girl, are you here? Tiffany. Aww, sad. We need to know. We need to know what motherfucker you saw, Tiffany Gomez. What did you see? What did you see? This She's is so this funny. is gonna haunt me. See, I need to know what she saw. I know. We all we all have questions, mm -hmm. but I also see that um, Sin Shadowland is here. She said she might have been in the hospital, so this is a good sign that she's here. Oh, I hope. Good. Um, so what's up? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, if, if any of you out there know Tiffany, tell her we're waiting in the spaces and we want to ask her about what she saw on the plane. Definitely. All right. So in order, if you want to be a speaker, you request to be a speaker down there at the bottom and I'll make you a speaker. And then I'll just call on you. I used to have people raise their hand, but people didn't know how to raise their hand half the time. So I just started calling on people. Just uh, wait to be called on. All right. Uh, Raven, Manila, what's up? What up, Manila? I can uh, warm up the crowd a little bit before Tiffany gets here, if uh, if everybody sees fit. But um, what's going on, Josie? What's going on, Shane? That was awesome. I really enjoyed all that. Uh, I was doing the dishes so that my wife didn't yell at me when she got home, and so it was a nice distraction from it. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm going to jump straight into it. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time, but I got a fun story. Uh, so I used to live in New Jersey in a small town called uh, Carteret, and 
in that town, we had this uh, little wooded area, right, where we would dig uh, holes and we'd build ramps for our BMX bikes. And mm-hmm. that didn't mean that we were any good, but, you know, we'd go out there and hang out with the homies and do little bunny hops and such. And um, inside this little kind of secluded area that was tucked away in a trailer park, uh, it wasn't very big, but it felt isolated. And there was this little creek running through there with some tall grass, right? And... Uh, the tall grass was over our heads. I was probably like 12 years old. This is like 2000 and 2002 and or 2001, I think. And so me and my friends used to stomp paths through this tall grass, you know, and this is before we realized that it was filled with ticks, but (laughs) (laughs) we realized that we used to have a lot of fun hanging out back there. And, you know, we made this maze where we couldn't see over the top of the tall grass because it was like six feet tall. We were just little kids. And um, one day, me and my buddy, uh, coincidentally, his name is also Shane, no relation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're traveling through this maze that we've created. And the rest of our buddies are outside of the tall grass. They're riding their bikes on the ramps. And just to give you some context, like my house was the, my mom was like the Dr. Doolittle of Carteret, New Jersey. Like we had every animal you could imagine. Like we had pet raccoons, tortoises owls like any amount of dogs like probably four to five at a time and it's actually what led me to having like i just have cats now mm-hmm. <laughs> well, i have i do have one dog i made a mistake recently i'm like why did i do this uh but so you know i was all of that to say like i was super familiar with animals i, I did not I, there was no way that i was gonna like mistake one thing for another this was this was daytime um so you know, we're, we're walking through this tall grass and suddenly something starts hauling ass towards us. And me and my buddy Shane, we're, we're so young. The only thing that we do is we kind of like recoil and grab one another and we, we lock up. You know, it's like they say fight or flight, but there's yeah. a third one. It's, it's freeze. And like we did that one, dude. So <laughs> we... We lock up, we grab one another, then it's hauling ass towards us, and before we can think to do anything else, it pops out on the little trail that we've created. It's only the width of a 12-year-old, you know? Like, it's 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 not very wide at all, a two-foot tri- uh, path at most, you know, a 10-foot wide path. This thing bursts out, and it's like five, six feet away from me, dude. And I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I told you I know animals to say like i don't know what the fuck this was this thing was it was uh it was it was bipedal like it was on two legs Mm -hmm. and so the way there's a couple of things that i know i saw and then a couple of things i I don't know if i made up but what i know i saw was it was bipedal it was ass naked and it was like black And so Mm. I, yeah, and I kind of, like, for a while, I just told told people I saw an ass naked baby in the woods, a black baby in the woods, because it was like, like, yeah, it just seemed like, you know, par for the course in Carteret, New Jersey, so it's not really that abnormal, but like, it's the size of a toddler. Wow. Big at all, man. And it runs across this trail and does it pays no attention to us and it bounds into the other side of the tall grass and continues hauling ass. Me and Shane, we had no time to react. So when this thing like 
it didn't really descend upon us. Like I said, it didn't really give a damn about us. But if this was like a dog, we'd have been torn apart. Like we didn't have time to react at all. And but it wasn't a dog. And it it, it I mean, I, I thought it was a a baby or a, <laughs> like a toddler. Right. There are things that I think I saw. So the things that I think I saw were like when I tell you it was black, it was like the color black, dude. Like not like you know a brat, like not melanin. Like this was a black toddler. And I have a theory about what you saw. All right. Well, I'm open to all theories because it it, it does get a little bit more strange. Um, uh, I guess stranger than that, but like I don't know. It, it seemed ashy. Is that weird to say? Like, it was mm-hmm. really ashy, and like I said, it just bound into the other side of the tall grass, and me and Shane did what any, you know, kind of red-blooded American children would do after that. We just, like, took off screaming. Mm-hmm. We ran past the homies on their bikes. We ran, <laughs> you know, out of the woods, out of the trailer park, down the block, and collapsed at, like, the local park before we stopped running, uh-huh. and the little like cherry on top of this shit anybody can look this up um 2001 carteret ufo sightings that summer there's like (laughs) seven or eight objects above the turnpike in carteret above the mcdonald's they're there from daytime till nighttime dude like like the camera crews come out the local news is there interviewing people on the street that are seeing it and these things hung out until nighttime and then they just kind of blinked out of existence and it wasn't until I was like 16 years old where I was telling somebody like, hey, dude, one time I was in the woods with the homies and I saw like a little naked black baby and somebody <laughs> called me on my bullshit. They're like, there's no way a, a, you're going to strip a baby naked and have them run that fast in the tall grass. And I was like, huh? Yeah, you're right. And then we started getting in because we were smoking weed. And, and, and I was like, dude, you know, I don't think I could run through the tall grass ass naked that fast. Like, there's no way I would step on things. It would hurt, you know? And so we started doing stoner math, and I was like, holy shit. And then uh, one of my buddies brought it up, and he was like, that was the same year as the Carteret UFO sightings. And I was like, holy shit. And so, yeah, from then on, the narrative changed, and I no longer told a funny story about seeing a naked baby, (laughs) but a much more harrowing story of seeing uh, some lost alien gray or some shit in the woods um, of Carteret, New Jersey. So I I don't know what, maybe what do you guys make of it? Well, I have two theories now that you said about the aliens. (laughs) There are actually um, stories about black aliens that people have said that they've seen. The aliens were black, not green. They weren't green little men, they were black little men. So there's that story. And then the other thing is you could have seen a parasitic black bear, lost all its fur, scrawny, just trying to fucking survive, rejected by its mother. Could have That's been actually like not that. the, the worst theory I've ever heard. I mean, black bear aren't too typical in Carteret, but they mm-hmm. are very prevalent in New Jersey as, as a whole. Like, I know the northeast of America, uh, you know, in that whole New Jersey, New York area, we've got more black bear per capita than, like, any other place. And it's, it's actually getting nuts is getting out of control so that's definitely uh probably (laughs) probably the the soundest take that i've heard um but i maintain that uh this thing was uh well it was but i guess yeah it could have been i just i just alien sexier sexier right josie i don't want to go down (laughs) i want to continue telling people that i saw a fucking alien right i believe i believe you saw an alien dude 
Yes, see, that's that's the energy I'm here for. And also, it just <laughs> it makes me feel better uh, instead of, you know, it could have been any number of things. Later on that year, there was a strange little event in the same place where my buddy said that he was trying to show me a, a same thing, a, a little naked black boy standing in the middle of the trailer park, the one that's right next to the woods. And the way he tells the story, he's one of my best friends. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, dude, I was I was telling you to stop and look. Like, hey, Dave, look, there's a naked black baby. And for some reason, I just kept walking. And he kept calling me, and I just kept walking. He said it was absolutely eerie the way that I wouldn't pay attention to him. I have no recollection of it. Uh, and he said I didn't, like, we didn't talk about anything until we got well out of sight of this thing. Um, so, you know, who knows what that was. But it's a trailer park. It's New Jersey. Kids get out, and they kids do are weird naked. things. Yeah. Yeah, kids are naked, you know. I mean, honestly, it's not that wild for uh, somebody to neglect their kid mid-diaper change. And, you know, he runs out into the street, sees a bunch of other kids, and stands and waves or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, the, the thing that really gets me, that really hangs with me, is just the speed that this thing was moving at. Like, the way it navigated the tall grass, you know, the 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 bear with mange fits better because it, it moved like an animal. Like, mm-hmm. the way that it moved, it was so fast. Uh I would move gingerly, you know what I mean? The amount of things you step on with your soft feet and, you know, branches striking you in your naked body, like, it would have slowed me down. And it definitely would have slowed, I mean, having a child, I have an eight-year-old, and, you know, for fun, I would, you know, just let him run full speed through the woods naked. And I'd go, he's not that fast, you know? It's just, it's, I never did that to him. (laughs) But I, I definitely, that was the strangest aspect about it, was like, this dude was so fast, and also didn't care about us, which was really strange. Yeah, that part's good. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense, again, for a bear, a black bear who's just more scared of it than you are, more scared of you than you are of it. Could be a bear, Um, but you know what? That one fits better. For the sake of Cabbage Night spooky stories, you saw a fucking alien. That's right, we're going with that. I'm confident that a a UFO crashed in the town and you saw a fleeing alien just trying to get home. That's I think so, dude, and I, that's part of my story. And so, if you push me on that, you're gonna push my 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 core identity, and we can't have that. Also, what is please the context? Uh, cabbage. I'm late to the game, dude. What is the cabbage? Uh, cabbage night. It's uh, the night before Halloween. It's when you're supposed to play all the tricks. I think I think it's. A I'm sorry. Do you mean? Um, hold on, wait. I've got a word for this. It's mischief night, dude. What cabbage night? Yeah. Same thing. We mm-hmm. we called it gate York. Um, you, you called it what? You're muffled a little bit. Oh, gate night. G A T E. Oh. And it's also mischief night elsewhere. Oh, that's interesting. But, uh, we just all. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm in New England, and it was Cabbage Night. So that's that's interesting that we. Well, I was from New England. Now I'm in Florida, but um, right. right. We all just have different names for it. Did you, did you well, throw cabbages at things? Like, I mean, I never from? personally did. I was a good kid. Oh, I was a really bad kid on Mischief Night. I'll tell you, this is real. This is a shitty story, but it's true. Mm-hmm. We um we had some dead birds in town. We didn't know what to do with. We're fifteen, yeah. you know. So what do you do? Uh, we tie some fishing line to them for date night, night for Halloween. You know, we're gonna fuck around with some people in town. We threw the, we cast the line over a telephone wire that went over right over Main Street. Mm-hmm. And so every time a car would drive by, we would drop the line and make the dead bird hit a car and reel it back up. It was the funniest shit to us. We were fucking dying. And we did it like 10 times. And then some guy stopped real quick right after he hit the, the bird, grabbed the dead bird real quick mm-hmm. out of his window and yanked it off and then screamed into the dark, mm, dinner. Oh my so, God. That's the kind of town I grew up in. 
I we just threw toilet paper, dog. What the <laughs> hell? Yeah, dude, we were on a lot of drugs, man. It wasn't a good time. Uh, awesome. It sounded pretty cool. I, yeah, we were, right, we let were me, uh, a lot of bad stuff. Let me give the mic to somebody else. Thanks for letting me talk, guys. Absolutely. Hey, Thanks, man. Raven. That was an awesome story. Later. Uh, if you want to be a speaker, go ahead to request to be one down there at the bottom, and I'll make you a speaker. Uh, Sin, go ahead. I just want to start with, I grew up around Skinwalker Ranch. Awesome. From um, 10 years old till 21, when I finally left that valley, and let me tell you, that was the best decision I ever made in my life. Whoa. But, you- uh, oh, we saw all sorts of things, and it was normal. Mm-hmm. You know, orbs strange animals that moved around the night, strange sounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. If you grew, grew up with that, it's normal. Mm-hmm. And plus, my dad saw a Bigfoot in Canada right around uh, when I was born. So I grew up on Bigfoot stories. I already mm-hmm. knew that there were Bigfoot, right? And, yeah. and of course, we were considered crazy because we believed it. <clears throat> but um, I actually lived on a, a little... Uh, we lived in the middle of the uh, U-Tribe Reservation, wow. and uh, we were the only white family, <laughs> and uh, it was just one little spot there that was uh, owned by whites, and the rest was the Native, Native Americans, so most of the people I knew were Native American, mm-hmm. and they would tell stories about uh, skinwalkers, and, you know, uh, we were just immersed in that, but oh, a scary thing was when I was 10 years old, we had just moved to uh, the Uinta Basin, and it was uh, the night before Halloween. Oh, so tonight. This night. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, where I am from, we call it Devil's Night. Oh, look oh. at that. This is so cool. <laughs> so we were, uh, a bunch of us kids were uh, playing games, and my uh, my dad was outside mowing the lawn. My mom was taking a nap. Um and I, I was, we were playing this game. We had this thing going on that the the person who lost had to do the dishes. Mm-hmm. And considering that there was, uh, there had been about 10 or 11 people there. This was a big chore, right? So, of course, I was going to win, right? I was not going to do the dishes. Well, right in the middle of the, um, the game we were playing, I had to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So I had to go run through half the house to get to the bathroom. And finished it up, walked out, and the whole house had gone silent. My mother, who was in the bedroom, could not hear her. I went and looked. She wasn't there. There was no one in the kitchen, which is where we were playing. And I walked to the front door, and I couldn't hear my dad mowing. And I was just scared. So I had this uh, thing in my head saying, open the door. And I looked at that door, and it felt like that door was vibrating, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) I turned around, ran back to the bathroom, shut the door, sat on the toilet, flushed it a couple times, walked out. I could hear my mother. I could hear my dad. I could hear the kids. And I walked into the – and they had just finished up the game I lost. And they says, "What, what happened? You've been gone for 30 minutes. Whoa. Oh, my God. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. It's like a portal or something. You're in the upside down. <laughs> I think I walked through a portal. Yep. It's not, and uh, since that time, I've had that happen to me a couple times. So Really? 
Yes. Do you have to flush the toilet each time to bring yourself out of it? No, no. This uh, one time uh, we were driving uh, from Salt Lake City to Idaho Falls, and um, we it was like 15 minutes. We went in sort of a trance. Mm -hmm. When we got out of it, we were um, a half an hour from Pocatello, and you got to realize that is not the right road. Mm -hmm. And it took us another two hours to get to Idaho Falls. Wow. So everybody just kind of went into like a trance on that drive. No, uh, it was, we looked at our watch. It was less than 10, 15 minutes. We were, it was almost like being picked up one place and set somewhere else, but we couldn't tell. Oh, wow. So all the, all the portals that you think you've been through, how far apart, like, were they from each other? Um, well, the one that I went in when I was a young kid happened to be in, um, Uinta Basin right near Jansen area. This one was between, um, on the uh, highway between Salt Lake City and Idaho Falls. Okay. Uh, The other one was um, right near Salt Lake City. This was an interesting one. Um, I was walking home from from work, and it was nighttime, and I walked through this parking lot, and all the bushes around me started to rustle. So I had been taking karate at the time. I turned around and faced the one that was scaring me the most because you could feel, you know, there was something going to come out and it was not going to be good. And then behind me, there was another rustle and this huge dog, huge black dog um, came. The, see, I'm 5'8", and the back of the dog came to my waist, walked up right next to me, and it was like all the bushes quit and walked me home. And a huge head on this thing. It was just a huge, huge dog. I had my hand on the back of the dog, and I could feel it, right? I got home, which was about uh, 15, 20 minutes later, and instead of staying with me, it started walking up the street, and then it disappeared into the fog. Oh, it was a foggy night, by the way. Holy shit. So that's weird. So my first thought is, like, if you are slipping through portals... Maybe you're the maybe you somehow trigger the portal. It's not like at first I was thinking maybe being your skinwalker skin ranch or something or something there, but maybe you have something up with you that creates a portal. And then while I was thinking that, you then talked about the dog, which is crazy because I have um, uh, my good friend Tony Merkel uh, with Merkel Media who does the Confessionals podcast. Uh-huh. He did a whole documentary about the dog man. And, uh, you know, he believes, and a lot of other people believe that these dog, dog man figures do travel through portals. And then on top of that, on the first invertible book that I wrote, I spoke to a woman who claims to have been at a mystery school, which is like these places around, around the world. And they kind of conduct these weird, um, experiments with portals. And, Mm -hmm. uh, he claims that a dog, a big dog, came out of the portal, and that and this is our government uh, that was doing this one, according oh, to her. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, and then they let the dog just unleashed out into the world, and uh-huh. it's just so bizarre that you talk, you mentioned the dog um, because it's very similar to the stories I've heard about the dog man and the portals. Well, I've heard the black dog where people are scared to death and it heralds your death, but no, every time I've seen a black dog, it's been um, safety. Wow. That's, that's awesome. interesting, yeah. But, yeah, yep. that's that's it for me. There's been other things, but, you know, that's enough tonight. That's amazing. I hope you're doing well, by the way. 
Yes, um, I went in for my labs. I just got a new kidney, by the way. I went in for my labs, and all the things that they were worried about um, disappeared. So awesome. we're in good shape. That's amazing. Happy to hear it. Thank you. Of course. All right, uh, Blytaga, go ahead. Blytaga, are you there? Blytaga, you're muted. Ooh, that's spooky. Do we have the ghost of Blytaga here? Maybe she slipped through a portal. <laughs> okay, well, that's interesting. If anybody else would like to be a speaker, go ahead and request to be one. I know this was more of like a listening space than a talking space, so I totally understand if uh, if nobody has too many... If we, if you're here to entertain, are, are you not entertained? Mm -hmm. You got to convince Tiffany to get in here and talk about the plan. That's, that is my goal. You know, I, I retweeted that, that. Do you think she's real, Josie? I, it's hard to say. I, I think, I mean, I'm logical. I think there were some drugs. She probably took more than one sleeping pill. Saw something she thought she saw, maybe didn't see. We don't know. But I like to believe she saw some aliens. You're more generous than me. <laughs> I, I really do believe she's uh, created by some type of PR firm to oh. go viral on purpose. So what, what would she but, be selling? Uh, we don't know yet. Mm. We don't know yet. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe just maybe maybe she's a harbinger of good and she wants us all to question everything and look at everything and say that motherfucker is not real. Maybe she's maybe she's good. I don't know. I think her her Twitter page is weird to me. Everything about. The whole account is weird to me. It's my favorite story of the year because she it's not... put up feet pics at one point. And that this is... is, and then that kitchen is fake. Yeah. So I, I don't fake. know. I'm not sure if it's it somebody pretending to be this woman. Right. You know, right. maybe she's I... capitalizing off it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I look enough like her. So that could be it. It could be just a, like a person who's capitalizing on it, or it's really her capitalizing off of it. It's a weird event. Maybe she did freak out. It's just everything to me feels so weird. You know, we saw so many fake videos similar to that. You know, remember like the, the there's a classroom and the teacher or the, the mom was ripping the flag down. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like clearly like a fake video yep. meant to be all insane. Um, you know, this one looked pretty real, but... The whole thing is just so weird. It, it reeks of something fake to me. Yeah, I don't know was, what. And, and then, like, we heard one story from someone on the plane, and it turned out to be, like, fake or something. So was nobody on this plane with her? We and, haven't heard from anybody else on the plane. Yeah. It's very. And she went back to the airport, like, a month or two later, and TMZ was there, and she was in the same outfit. I remember that. That was weird. Yeah, a it's lot weird. of this isn't making sense. She responds, or her, her account, I'm putting she in quotes, because I don't even believe it's her, mm. but she responds to, like, my tweets every now and then, and it's only the funny ones. It's never the sincere ones, where I'm like, I want to understand what the fuck is going on. It's because it, I think it's a, a team of people sitting around a computer creating t the idea of Tiffany Gomez, but that's just mm. my idea. Yeah, something like that for sure. All right, well, we don't have a lot of speakers then tonight, which is fine. I actually expected this to be more of a, more of a chill space. Let me. Oh, I have a request on this. Oh, there could be any an issue with speakers again tonight, like there was last night. 
Oh shit, right. Yeah, because I'm adding people and they're going away. I've added like four and they've vanished. Oh, there sucks. was an update with a uh, there was an update with X and somebody was having trouble even joining. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah, which that sucks, but they'll they'll work it out eventually. I'll message somebody over at X and tell them that this happened twice in a row now with speakers. You get a few and then they just stop. Yeah. Well, that's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, are you doing anything fun? Are you trick or treating with the kids? We actually did all that already. So, um, oh, nice. yeah. So my community had trick or treating on the twenty eighth. So uh-huh. girls all went for that. And then yeah. uh, what we do, what we did last year and this year is, there's a place called Flash Games that has like a spooky night, and it's dark, and you have to walk around with flashlights, and it's kind of like a GameStop. Um, yeah. So you dress up, you go there. So I did that last night. I went. Uh, I went as the Scarlet Witch. Um, oh, mm-hmm. My daughters went as uh, Han Solo, Alice from Alice in Wonderland, and uh, Gwen Stacy. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. What are my you son is Reaper for the second time in a year. Well, I'm, I'm the Scarlet Witch three years in a row, so. <laughs> if you got a good costume, you just got to run with it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that is really fun. So, so what are you, what are your plans? trick-or-treating got mm-hmm. some friends coming over i got a, a sweet halloween playlist that i love to listen to year-round nice. and now make my neighbors here at full volume um and yeah just just chilling out do you have any uh any popular or, or favorite halloween songs i like that spooky scary skeleton song no shit. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Um, I was a hollow. We were like Halloween people one year um, when we were living up in Massachusetts. We moved to this little community, and we were only there for a year before moving to Florida because of the pandemic. We just couldn't stay there anymore in yeah. Mass. So, um, yeah, we had this. Uh, um, we lived in this community that was like right out of Leave It to Beaver, right? <laughs> and it was like the place to go for trick or treating. So it was like like everybody came, everybody decorated. Um, it was just so sweet and so cute. So, like, um, at the time, my husband would take the girls uh, trick-or-treating, and I would be able to hand out the candy, and it was just such a fun experience to do that for the one year. I moved here, we're hoping we'd kind of get the same energy, but not really. So we're, we're Christmas people now. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. okay, too. I love Christmas. Definitely. Um, like you said earlier, uh, Halloween ends tomorrow night at, what, 11.59? Yep. And Christmas starts at 12 a.m. midnight. Yep, exactly. I, I don't make like the rules. And, you know, Thanksgiving yep. is a feature of Christmas season. And people are like, well, That's what right. about Thanksgiving season? Like, we really can't have that anymore because the white women have ruined <laughs> pumpkin spice. So we just have to put it all into Christmas season that where they can't they can't ruin that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my kids really get into Halloween. And our three-year-old daughter, uh, the other day I picked her up from, from her daycare and the teacher came over to me. She's like, I, I got to ask you something. She's like, is there a dead bat in your house? <laughs> and I'm like, like oh, this is like a week ago, maybe, I guess. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And she's like, Poppy keeps talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I have a petrified bat and a special little casket for the bat um, that I, you know, it more, our, our son has it in his room. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess Poppy, our daughter, has been telling everyone about this dead bat. And now I'm like, I showed the daycare like the weirdo with the dead bat in the house. But I think they were happy that it wasn't just a dead bat lying there. Uh-huh. I don't know if they're weirded out that I kept it, 
or and put it in a special case. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but they had to act. They've probably seen worse things. I mean, it's a daycare and, you know. It's a, it's a cool bat. It's yeah. a cool bat. His name is Edgar. Oh, that's awesome. Really cool. Bat. All right. Well, I guess that we can wrap it, which is cool. I had so much fun. This was like one yeah. of my more fun spaces that I've done. So I have, I have a spooky story. Oh, you're there, Blaytaga. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, all right. I was asking where you were earlier, and I assume we were having glitches again. I'd love to hear your spooky story. Yeah, I was having hard, a hard time um, hearing for a bit. Okay, so not a ghost story, but definitely spooky. Um, this was like 13 or 14 years ago. Um, I, was in, I was in Miami um, with my girlfriend, my roommate, and his girlfriend. We just came from a party. Mm-hmm. We were driving My was at the Miami event, by the way. Ah, yes, mm-hmm. that, was, that was so fun. Yes. And, um, gosh, I haven't thought about this in so long. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're in the car, and we're at a red light coming back from a party. I'm being the responsible uh, designated driver. Mm-hmm. And the music's loud. Everyone's talking to each other. I'm there kind of quiet, but at the, like, getting to the red light, what starts happening to me is my attention gets diverted, like, by I don't know what, to something else. And everything got suddenly quiet, much quieter for me. I was totally sober. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started getting this really weird feeling. I can't describe it, but it was just like a, base, a, a, a big no. Like I was just being told no. I couldn't hear it, but I could feel it. And wow. so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is weird. And... My uh, everyone else was kind of not paying attention because sometimes I do get quiet, but as and so sorry, getting kind of flustered with this. Okay. Um, so waiting at the red light, I'm just here like trying to figure out what is sort of what's going on. I'm trying not to make a big deal out of this because like this this feeling just came out of nowhere, and then as soon as the light turned green for me and this was like 12 30 in the morning so no one else was really on the road no one else was on the road as soon as the light turned green i immediately put my car into park and i crossed my arms over my chest and i just started not yelling but talking very loudly i just said nope i am not driving from this spot i am not moving my car i am keeping this in park and as as soon as i said keeping it in park i wrote the they're all looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? And when I said park a car, ran the red light going at like 90 miles per hour, oh, just wow. zooming by. Whoa. And then they all looked at me like, oh my God, oh my God, what happened? How did you know? The, we- the weirdest thing about this was I had no reaction. I was like, oh yeah, kind of, I, I didn't say it, but I had the feeling that, of like, oh yeah, that was totally going to happen. Wow. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, did my guardian angel come That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> Because I like think thinking, so. like thinking back on it, like I don't, I, I it, it was an indescribable feeling, but it's it was kind of like if you pay attention to this, everything is going to be okay. Mm. It was the weirdest thing, and it was something transmitted by like a hug or through a touch. It was not something said or, or anything like that. It wasn't anything. I I can't visualize anything wow. in my head, so I didn't visualize anything. I just got this feeling. It was so weird. It's kind of it was just like. Like someone grabbed my consciousness and turned it away, like turned it inward mm-hmm. or something. And then it was like, start paying attention. Trust your gut. And oh my God, I'm so glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That was like, it's like your guardian angel's like, okay, everybody gets one. 
Here's yours. For real. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's it, uh, it reminds me of there's a story that came out maybe yesterday or today about Goldie Hawn. Uh, she thinks it's aliens. I like the guardian angel aspect, but it's a similar story where she said that this being touched her like her face and it was like the most benevolent beautiful kind of like how you were describing the last figure was describing the hug feeling is kind of how she was saying it um you know she she attributes it to extraterrestrials um i think you know i like to think it was an angel but uh yeah that's a wild story i mean an angel would be an extraterrestrial and that's funny because angel is my name oh wow. no. yeah that's- that's awesome. Yeah, you got you got that extra help because your name is actually Angel. Yeah. <laughs> a little extra. I mean, yeah, I guess there's an advantage to having a very biblical and holy name. Mm-hmm, yep. Definitely. Thank you for your story. Uh, Gandalf, yeah. are you Thank there? Thank you for letting me share. Absolutely. Hi, can everybody hear me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. So, good evening, y'all. You know, on Halloween Eve, I had a quick story I wanted to share with y'all. Um, so, I'm a Marine veteran. Mm-hmm. And uh, I joined the Marine Corps in 2013, and around that time, I was uh, going through my um, my basic combat training, and uh, I was put on hold because my class for my MOS didn't pick up until like a month or so later uh, after my graduation. And uh, so they had put me on hold into this um, platoon that kind of just like roved around the base and the training area, you know, picking up trash stuff like that, making sure everything was secure and uh, locked up tight. And there was a few incidences where um, we would be like patrolling, roving around, and we would hear what sound like a platoon, you know, walking on gravel past us. Mm -hmm. So like we would be just walking ourselves and you could hear your own footsteps in the dirt and stuff and our boots and you could stop because there was a few times where like I would stop my partner with me because we would, you know, do it in pairs. And I'd stop and like, look, can you hear that? Like, just listen. And we'd sit there and listen for a bit. And sure enough, it sounded like a like a platoon was just marching past us in the gravel in the middle of the night. Just and you can track you can track it from the beginning of the sound in front of you all the way as the platoon passed and down the the gravel roads and stuff. And so that was one of those creepy things. They're like, oh, dude, you know, we better we better just keep moving and get out of here quick, you know, because around the same area. There was a, a moment where across this long parking lot they called an LZ, mm-hmm. where they would do like staging and training and stuff like that. I could see in one of their um, baseball diamonds the lights on, like the spotlights on the baseball diamonds for the, the training area. And my partner and I could see this like, the only way I could describe it is is imagine like a, a blanket or like a sheet just floating in water, but like completely stretched out and just kind of waving there in in the middle of the air, just sitting there under the light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wow. so we so we immediately just kind of like, oh, you know what? We're not gonna mess with that. And we turned <laughs> around and walked walked the other way, um, you know. And that was at Camp Pendleton. So you know, if anybody's ever heard of Pendleton, they've heard of. They may have heard some some pretty creepy stories that go on around the training areas and the ranges there, you know, phantom Marines and stuff walking around and marching out and stuff. Yeah, that's uh, I grew up near um, West Point in New York, so it's a military base and it's filled with 
stories similar to that in terms of the platoon, you know, or, or dead cadet ghosts haunting the dorms, stuff like that. I think there's something to military bases and battlefields where there's some type of captured energy or something going on there. The, the book I was talking about in the beginning of space about uh, Georgia, that town has the bloodiest battlefield. Was, yeah, they call it the bloodiest battle of the American Revolution, which is the Battle of Kettle Creek. And uh, it, the bodies are still like, they buried the people there and they kept the bodies there. So yeah. you can find like, little white crosses throughout the field, whether it's British or, or, or the Patriots. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah. wild, and you know, and then to tie that with the other thing I was saying earlier, if you were here, I was talking about the witches in that town. Those witches oh, go to that. The witches go to the battlefield to charge their crystals um, on full moons because they they believe there's some like crazy blood energy that they like soak up. So something something's on the battlefields. They got a whole that's different perspective. Wild. Yeah, yeah, that's I, wild. I, I tell you, the whole that whole like if you want to call it the Bible Belt in the South there too, like that whole Appalachian Trail and all that, that place is just full of, you know, uh-huh. weird stuff too. I don't know if it's because of the mountains and the, the high mineral deposits underneath the earth there or what, but, you know, you, you kind of, That's a good it, it looks one way during the day and then at night it's like a whole new world, you know? Yeah, so, I totally agree. Yeah. Something, uh, there was a theory that, you know, back in the day, like this is, I think, maybe 12 or 1300s, uh, there was a book written that really started a lot of the witch hunts in Europe. And there was a theory that said a lot of the uh, witches or people who were suspected of being witches left Europe and then settled along that Appalachian Trail in, oh, in yeah. parts of Appalachia. And so, like, there's generations of these people who, you know, practice some sort of witchcraft. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, I've definitely heard of... of- something similar along those lines you know with with how how deep into the mountains they get and they just kind of stay there in their little cabins refuges if you want to call them and do their practicing and i mean it's a perfect place for it you know you're you're pretty much invisible to the world there exactly you know if you don't know where you're gonna look so yeah and you know it was just that was pendleton i also had a few with like uh i was also stationed on uh um bay in uh hawaii Mm. And um, there were times where, like, my wife and I were driving on the, the H3, one of the main roads, the highways coming up to the Marine Corps base on the uh, eastern side of the island. And we would, like, drive. And, you know, there's one day she was just driving. We finished dinner up in Honolulu. And, and she all of a sudden just kind of, like, ah! and, and kind of caught herself. And I was like, what? You know, what's going on? I'm not looking at her. I'm just looking out the window, whatever. And she's like, I swear to you, I saw a man running across the highway. And as soon as he hit our headlights, the car kind of met up with him and just gone, you know. And I looked around and I kind of stopped. It was, you know, the dead of the night and nobody was on the road. And I looked around and it's like, oh, there's there's nobody out here. So, you know, they have the those talks about they're out in Hawaii, talking about like the the night markers and stuff like that, those types of Mm -hmm. things. That's kind of creepy. And then K-Bay itself is also, you know, wild, too, with uh, seeing weird things on, like, CCTV cameras in the barracks, you know, watching the laundry rooms and stuff, where mm-hmm. you see somebody, a shadow in the in the laundry room itself, moving around like they're getting their laundry, but those lights are on motion sensors. Mm-hmm. So right. walk up into it as a rover, go on in, and, oh, 
the lights kick on, but nobody's in there. But you're sure enough, you're watching somebody messing around in the dark in the in the laundry room. So you know, just like little weird stuff like that, you, you hear about from military bases, and then if you're fortunate enough to experience it, it helps. <laughs> yep, that's you know? awesome. You do hear those creepy stories with people like ghosts that are on the road, hitchhiking ghosts, if you will. (laughs) Um, They always disappear when you get close enough to them. That's always the same story. Yeah, Yeah, you never get a real good look, but you kind of question yourself like, did I just see what I thought I saw? Yeah, I think there's one, the white woman, I believe, I can't remember where it is, but she's like an old, uh, not old, but she's like a younger woman, totally dressed in white walks down like the swervy kind of road and everybody reports seeing her but they get close enough and she's gone every single time crazy mm-hmm. and the story the, the the show supernatural i feel like covered a lot of these kind of famous ghost stories like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i love those stories yeah. you know the the one of my favorite writers is Edgar Allan poe mm-hmm. and uh yeah he's just the best at these dark type stories do you i I, do you know that he just disappeared for five days before he died, and then no one knows what he died of? Yeah. yeah didn't didn't uh, John Cusack do like a movie on that too? Oh, I don't know. I vaguely remember seeing like a video, like a movie where like he was playing Poe, and it covered like the last few, like it was like a dramatization of his last few days before he was found dead on that bench in Baltimore or whatever. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I could have started. He was an was alcoholic, like so I think there was theory that it was related to his drinking. Yeah, but, but he also belonged to like a brotherhood of temperance. Yes. By that time. <laughs> yeah, so it just like, gets twisted. <laughs> it's like, well, weird. do we go logical here or do we go wild here? Tonight we're going wild, so you know what? He, It was the brotherhood. I, I, I want to say he was abducted by aliens for five days. Oh, hell yeah. I haven't seen that theory yet. I'm just putting it out there. I think Edgar Allan Poe was abducted by aliens. They spit him back out. He appeared drunk, but he was just messed up from the uh, whatever they were doing on the, on the spacecraft. That sounds like a like an AI prompt for chat. <laughs> like an Edgar Allan Poe abducted poetry. Like just a smart, like a short story from that. That would be pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, just, I just want to say, you know, thank you all for letting me speak and share my stories. Yeah, Absolutely, thank you. Oh, I have another request. Alright. Pickle for Sanity, are you Sanity, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Do you have a spooky story to share with us? I do. I have a story from my time working at a Boy Scout camp. Oh hell yeah. Perfect. So the Boy Scout camp it was really nice. Uh, we, in the history of the camp, it used to be a farm, and early in the camp's days, there was an accidental drowning, and we kept a little shrine and memorial for the boy who drowned in the dining hall. Mm-hmm. And That's so sad. not much of it, but every once in a while in the dining hall, things have a habit of moving around, mm-hmm. and appliances and everything get turned on and off and when we uh when you would so sometimes they locked it at night but sometimes they forgot to Mm -hmm. and the staff members would just kind of sit down there as a place to chill and if you're sitting in there at night it is dark 
and one time we were sitting there and the chairs on the one side of the room just squeaked and scooted across the floor Mm -hmm. freaked everybody out (laughs) the boys will be boys oh yeah (laughs) and then these stories from the uh, the kitchen staff in there would they had the gas stoves they would come in in the morning and they would all be lit they would come in and all the lights would be on mm-hmm. and various pieces of furniture just constantly moved around yeah I, I, I hear a lot of stories like I, I grew up in a really old house um, that was built in the 1700s and the way I describe it is, you know, I didn't really ever see a ghost. I think one time I saw like your cliche ghost in the woods, but it might've just been my imagination. I was really young, but there was this feeling in the house growing up and I grew up, you know, I was born in 85. So this is like early nineties when everyone had those really big Magnavox TVs. And um, on those old TVs, if you kept the, if you kept like on channel like three, but like the volume down or whatever, there was there would be like this low hum that the computer would emit that everyone could oh, hear, yeah. but um, the house just had that vibe without the TV even on, right? Like there was always just like this low frequency thing happening in that house that was always like a presence in itself, like it was its own character. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know, I we we would hear things move, you know, and maybe sometimes it was just a squirrel in the attic, but sometimes it was like weird sounds, like like canes. Uh, dragging across and I had like two moments of sleep paralysis in that house while I'm hearing those sounds and then seeing on the ceiling above me um, this like many tentacled kind of ghost dancing on the ceiling and it was like a shadow it was like really messed up and um, I can't move I'm freaked out I must have been like 12 or 13 maybe and uh you know, all that was happening. And it wouldn't be until years later that I would find out that my bedroom in that house was, a, before me, it was a boy who was murdered in the house. It was his bedroom. Um, so I always believed that that boy who was murdered in the house kind of just hung out. And he was kind of like uh, the brother I never had, just a ghost. Mm-hmm. But I know about those like things moving you hear things, the lights being turned on and off, and that, that weird sound. It's bizarre stuff. You kids ever tell you creepy things? Uh, they used to. So our son used to have night terrors Mm -hmm. and they are terrifying because, well, they say weird shit all the time, but the night terrors were really freaky. Um, he'd wake up in the middle of the night and just be screaming and, you know, he's calling Mm -hmm. for mommy or daddy Mm -hmm. and we're there, but he can't hear us and he can't see us. It's kind of like he's stuck in whatever nightmare he's in, but his eyes are open and then we're like on the edge of whatever nightmare he's in. So he can't really hear us or see us. And you're experiencing him have like a physical reaction to like crazy fear, mm-hmm. whatever he's seeing, which I, I, which, I don't know what he saw. And he, he doesn't remember them in the morning. But um, yeah, th- those are like the freak, the, like that, that, that shit really freaks me out. Because um, it's like, it's almost like speaking of portals, like he almost like the nightmares open up a portal. And now we're like looking at his nightmare in our world and uh, we can't help him. We just kind of, you have to follow him around and which doesn't do anything bad. He's, he's outgrown them. He hasn't had them in a while. Uh, and, uh, you know, Nancy, my wife, she had him when she was a kid 
And so it seems mm-hmm. to be something that you can pass down. But uh, as far as weird things, I don't know. They haven't said anything weird in a while that I can remember because it's just like, I, I think I have two two strange kids. Uh, everything they say is bizarre about your kids. <laughs> um, my kids, uh, one of my daughters creeped me out one time uh, when she was little. And um, she was in the living room. And we, we lived in a house. The guy who had lived there before us, the house was relatively, like, I want to say new for Massachusetts. It was, like, 1969 1979 something like that when it was built which most of the houses in massachusetts are like 17 1800 so it was relatively new but uh the guy who had lived there before us had actually died in the house so yeah. that, that was just something that it was in a state when you got it so anyway she's in the living room chilling out giggling and i'm like oh what's so funny what are you laughing at she goes the people on the ceiling mm. yep <laughs> that was enough Oh my god! <laughs> that, I think I think kids are open to something that society you know closes off in most of us as we grow older, like that they can kind of see things that are going on um, with whatever you want to call it, the spirit world. Uh-huh. Did she say anything like what they looked like, or did she talk about it again? A uh, red dress. Wow. Yeah, red dress. People wow. on the ceiling, red dress. Uh, that was that was. Uh, that was creepy. <laughs> yeah, it is creepy. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I um, yeah, I don't think the only thing that's like kind of weird is, I, I maybe you notice this in your own kids too though, but like I feel like they've absorbed my grandparents, mm. uh, and who are all my grandparents are gone now, and there's like qualities and traits or mannerisms or phrases that they just randomly say that I don't think I say or they got from me, uh, or from from my wife. But like they're just like so. I, sometimes I'm talking to my youngest daughter, and I'm I'm like I'm like talking to my grandma. <laughs> like her face does the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's probably just it could be genetic things. But I, I think of that a lot because on my grandfather, who was a hearse driver, yeah. who um, his funeral was on my thirtieth birthday. Mm-hmm. We look a lot alike, mm-hmm. especially when you know when we were the, at, at this age, we look a lot alike. And at, when I showed up to the house after the funeral. It was so bizarre because he was in his late 80s and a lot of his friends kept calling me by his name because mm-hmm. they were getting confused. And uh, so they kept calling me Norman. And uh, I like I felt myself all of a sudden doing his mannerisms as if he was like possessing me or something. Mm-hmm. It was really a bizarre Whoa. feeling. Yeah. And so like they were everyone's calling me Norman. Mm-hmm. I've become Norman. It's my 30th birthday, which made it even weirder. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's birthday cake at the funeral, which yeah. is a whole other ordeal. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, like, I haven't felt that way since. But, like, it was so weird to kind of, like, just embody him and, like, that I could feel my face doing things mm-hmm. that I'd never done before. Wow. It's so weird. Yeah. So more connected. Um, my great-grandmother passed away um, in uh, 2013. And went to the funeral, and it was obvious. It was like it's a big family. She had like thirteen brothers and sisters, and they all had a bunch of kids, and they all had a bunch of kids. So big, big, big family. So um, I go there, and um, I'm getting recognized by all these people that I've never met because of how much I look like my grandmother. Oh wow! Like oh, I knew you were Lena's daughter from the second I saw you because you look just like her. 
you look exactly wow. like her, you know, but yeah, it's, it's crazy the way that, you know, that wow. you, you can carry that with people. If you ask anybody about, I mean, my grandmother's still with me, thank God, like I adore her, miss her to death up yeah. in Massachusetts, but they say if you talk to kids, like, you know, all the past life stories with kids who like would not have a clue about the things they're talking about, a lot of times they say, oh, um, last time I was your mother or, um, you know, like, like we were best friends, you know, because they say, you know, if you want to get into souls and soulmates, they say that these yep. things, you know, you, you have your, your soul company and, uh, wow. the, you're always drawn again to it. It's like, Oh no, like this time you're my daughter. Mm-hmm. That's wild. I, uh, the main, uh, the main like source of mine in the second inverted world book, his name is Clint Brantley. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time with his whole family and his family has been in that town, Washington, Georgia since before it was even called Washington, Georgia. And, um, when he was a little kid, he's, he's our age. So it was like, you know, mid to late eighties. He started to describe the inside of a very specific type of fighter jet from world war two mm-hmm. that he had never seen before. Cause he was like four or five and his, his, I think grandfather or probably great grandfather died in one of those jets wow. in world war two. Yeah. So that was also around the time when shows like Ricky Lake or Montel were big and they were talking to kids who had past lives that they could remember. Mm -hmm. So his parents thought that he had been possessed by the great grandfather and was remembering things, you know, from a past life. It was pretty funny. Wow. That's wild. Blytaga, you have uh, a question or comment or story? Oh, I just wanted to, you were talking about kids. Yeah. um, kids. um, I don't have any of my own children or anything, but has anyone had a weird experience with a pet or an animal that acted in a completely different way? Because for me, like when I was 17, my dad, he unfortunately died in my in, in the home. Mm-hmm. And a few years later, when I was um, 20 or 19 or something, I was visiting. Uh, I came back to Miami to visit my mom. And she she was out for, you know, was hanging out with her friends till late hours in the morning and so i was spending time with my dog and my dog never barks in the door inside he has never done not once except this time he ran to the center of the house looked up at a corner of the wall and just barked and howled at that mm-hmm. for like 20 minutes and you know i let it i was really confused i ran to the dog and I, when I you know I was like hey man what's going on are you okay and he was he was just like backing away it was like something was there and he was like kind of like going back and forth with it and and when I went to grab him to kind of calm him down he was shaking so much that I started getting goosebumps and just getting t- weird feelings and I looked up at the corner I didn't see anything but nothing like nothing in me said I should go to that corner. It was just something that you, it should not be done. And so I eventually calmed the dog down. I think I had to pick him up and bring him into the room I was in and lock the door and just like pet him for an hour. Cause afterwards he was shaken. He was just shaking uncontrollably in the for only time he did that was the first time I got him. He was a little puppy and just afraid of being in a new place. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so it was really weird. My mom came home at like three in the morning, then went to sleep and all that. And then the next day I wake up and I hear her crying and I'm like, Oh my God, mom, what's wrong? She's like, oh, last night I had the most vivid dream with your father. He came to visit me. I saw him. We talked, we hugged wow. and cuddled Aww. and, it, and it, it felt like we were there for days. And I was like, Oh, let me tell you how the dog reacted. And <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> wow. That, 
That's a great story. They what they say they don't usually say about dogs. They say Thanks. that dogs are your defender of the real world, and cats are your defender of the spirit world. But if you didn't have a cat, then I could see the dog being like, "All right, I guess I got to do this shit too." <laughs> yeah, it's definitely did not have cats, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's funny. I mean. I, we always had different uh, we, dogs growing up on the farm. You know, when one would pass away, we get another. And on on our walks throughout the property, there was always one hill. Every dog at night would always stop and stare at the hill like it heard something, ears pointed up. And, uh, you know, it was always the same damn hill. Uh, so I don't know what they were experiencing, but it always made me think that they were seeing something that I couldn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean... My my cats always like I always felt like they knew something I didn't know or they they were I've always kind of went into it feeling like my cats were protectors from the spirit world of the spirit world, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the, I only have one cat that's overtly like seems that way, and that's Figaro. Um, he's just always kind of been a little weird and a little different, a little more human, I guess is the best way to put it. Just his personality, not doesn't act like a cat. Uh, so who knows? It's weird. All right, um, we'll have to close it up, and I had to pass y'all over to my boss, Tim Cast, because he's going to be starting IRL in about uh, 15, 20 minutes. So you can head on over there to YouTube.com and listen in, passing this off like Glenn Beck to Tucker or whatever that used to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Shane, where can people find you? How can they support your work? So you can find me at Shane Cashman everywhere on online uh the two inverted world books you can find the first one is at invertedworldbook.com the second one is at ghostsofthecivilwar.com um and yeah every other thing i write for timcast is up at timcast.com awesome and i also work at timcast.com and i do these spaces here i do a couple a week um next week is a little dead because i'm gonna be doing some traveling um, I'm going to go to Miami and go on Luke Radzowski's show, which would be really cool. They haven't named it yet. I did come up with a name for it, and they could use it, so we'll see. I'll be able to have bragging rights if that happens. Um, Great. Yep, yeah, so uh, I have that next week. Uh, and uh, after that, I've got a couple spaces in mind. So um, I'll have um, Michael Seifert from Public Square. You should uh, oh, cool. download that app for sure. He's really cool, really cool guy doing this kind of values-based, like Amazon essentially so you're not supporting you're supporting businesses that have your values when you use that site you could also find like doctors and stuff like that on that site as well really cool guy uh hopefully having ashley st Clair on that week too um so yeah and thank you everybody uh who streamed this live you don't have to go far you can just hop on over to timcast by clicking a button (laughs) um yeah so thanks everybody uh thanks again shane for being my guest thank you to all my speakers this was a really fun space i hope that we get to do it again soon have another spooky space uh we did one like six months ago out of the just out of nowhere right yeah that was the night before i was i was chasing alex jones around texas yes that's right and you were like you're like let me get to my hotel and we're gonna do a spooky night (laughs) yeah that was awesome yeah we'll definitely definitely do another spooky night then it doesn't need to be cabbage night but anyway everybody have a happy and safe halloween um don't get abducted by aliens or kidnapped by ghosts please um and remember that christmas season starts at midnight on november 30th or november 1st so thank you everybody have a good night take care of yourselves take care of each other thank you good night good night